a pair of NHL superstars have gone down to injury, but uh, that is not the news everyone was talking about, uh, especially in Canada's capital because of a trade gone wrong, a trade that was voided by the league has led to the Sens getting punished for their sins. And it also leads to a significant change in their front office. Episode 386 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. A reminder that uh, the Bruins have won nine of their first 11 games. Now let's talk about Ottawa dropping five of six, uh, getting punished for a trade, and making a GM change, Brett. Uh, Fun times in Canada's capital. I was hoping we wouldn't have another day like this, but here we are. Yeah, I feel bad for your franchise, honestly. I, um, it's because uh, it it seemed like I mean, I mean, obviously we have a Sens fan in our in our midst, so we're we're never really mm-hmm. truly objective here when it comes to the Senators. But um, I do feel bad for your your franchise because it, like you know, you you go from like losing um, Mark Stone, losing um, Eric Carlson, and yeah, you do get like in a roundabout way, you do get end up with Josh Norris and a couple of other good pieces that I'm blanking on right now. But then there was that whole like Uber thing, um, yeah. all of like Melnick's drama in his uh, late in life um, that he had. This is the, also the last bit of drama from that era, so hopefully yeah. it'll be more normal now fair, at least. Fair, yeah. Um, and then there was that whole Uber thing that I think I mentioned. There was the like yeah. the whole Matt Duchesne trade that went wrong. Um, like pretty much everything. And then the reason why I do feel bad, even more bad for you, your your team was that like it seemed like you guys were turning a corner. Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like you still have Brady Kachuk, you still have Tim Stutzla. Um, that's not never going to change. And, you know, you can. Like, they still have a good team, um, but it's, like, now, especially last week when we were talking about Shane Pinto stuff, there was that, um, and then now, which is what we're about to get into, um, so, in we also probably covered this at the time, but in uh, 2021, um, around the trade deadline, or I guess it was, uh, this actually happened uh, earlier in the year, but... Uh, yeah, is, it, uh, the the trade um, that Ottawa messed up yeah. was July 2021 when they oh, shipped okay. Adnov to Vegas. Yep. And then Vegas tried to trade him at the following deadline. So that'd yep. be the 2022 trade deadline. They were Got trying it. to be cap compliant yep. while making other moves. And then this deal fell through. Right. So basically yeah. what we had thought at the time was that Vegas had messed up um, yeah. and didn't know that um anaheim was on dadanov's trade list but as it turns out there was in fact uh ann lauer who's the owner of the auto senators um they uh, got a there was like a 73 page report by the nhl and supposedly the ducks and the vegas golden knights were very much sticklers that they wanted to make sure that like the senators knew that um they were they were going to take the blame here um, but, uh, they were, there was a 73 page report that Ann Lauer got, um, that was quote unquote negligent in nature, uh, to the Dadanoff trade. Uh, this is according to Haley Savion, um, Salvian, uh, excuse me. Um, and supposedly that was also the, the last straw for Pierre Dorian as a GM, um, and so he, I guess he resigned, but it seemed like he was about to get fired anyways. Um, and then, uh, Steve Steos is going to be the interim GM at the moment. Um, <laughs> and then, um, what was he, I guess we can get into Ann Lauer's comments in a little bit. Uh, but I did want to, let me just, uh, so basically what happened is the 
teams has to uh, forfeit a first round draft pick in either 2024, 2025, or 2026. Do you know when they have to decide that? Or I believe it's uh, it's X amount of hours after the draft lottery. Okay, where they can decide if they keep the pick or decide to forfeit it it. it goes into leaks pocket and it's null and void and it's not used on anybody it's not going to vegas if the nhl was that rigged as a lot of people claim it is (laughs) um then vegas would have just gotten a first round pick for free that's not the case they just forfeit it um and um and yeah so okay so i guess that yeah, then it comes a little bit like of a strategy situation that you have going on. Because, like, yeah, it's like yeah. the Arizona Coyotes situation with uh, when Chica messed up with scouting or whatever. Um, but that, that uh, to interject real quick, yeah, fine. that also could impact Ottawa's trade deadline plans. Sure. It's just like, because if they trade away a first round pick, it's just like, okay, well, we don't have that first round pick that year because we traded away. Yeah. So I guess it has to be in one of the next two. Like if they oh, trade away mean. a yeah, first fair. in 2024, for example, it's like, okay, well, then it's either 2025 or 2026 where you have to forfeit this pick. Yeah. So it's it's draft capital that they can't use, period. Mm. And it's going to impact their future decisions in terms sure. of what assets they're willing to trade away. But like, you know, it's it's definitely like, because I, I guess I'm thinking that it's possible that the Sens are close to making the playoffs this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, or they could, I guess, make the playoffs, of course. Um, That's my hope, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that would be the best case scenario. And then you just, you know, like, obviously it sucks to lose yeah. your, your first round pick. And especially, like you're mentioning, if you were to trade it, then, like, teams would be like, well, how do I know you're not going to forfeit this pick right you know so you can't really trade your picks as you're saying yeah no yeah 100 but like it's like okay it will suck this year but you know it's like okay you're giving up like the 20th pick or whatever and then yeah and like david pasternak was like what 24th 25th overall in his draft year like well that's the talent you could get in the late stages of a of any first round draft but but like let's say the Suns do suck in the next two years then it's like you you don't want that so it, yep. it really just depends on how good the team is this year and i imagine that's what they'll do um correct but you know obviously it still sucks as you're mentioning because it's not like you can really trade that pick easily because then like all the teams are like wait what <laughs> what what's going on um so uh there's that um and yeah so uh as i mentioned vegas um Vegas really pushed for it. So did Anaheim because they took the blame. Vegas took the blame for it. And they, and they were just saying like, well, the senators didn't tell us this. And I I do remember at the time when we were talking about this, we were so confused because like cap friendly, if you look at Dadanoff's page, you can see that he had a trade, no trade clause in there. Um, So it's, um, like obviously I we don't we'll never know exactly how the senators and the Vegas Golden Knights interacted with with each other during that trade but Chris Johnston alluded to the possibility that maybe uh the no trade clause was still active and if Kenny Dadnov didn't use it to go to Vegas uh, but maybe the Sens didn't relay that info to Vegas, right. and maybe that's where the confusion well, arose. And they just assumed, oh, okay, I we see. knew we had no trade clause, but it, uh, but they didn't know it was still active. I guess. Yeah, that, maybe, could, that, that could be, be one theory. However, like what I was going to do before you interrupted me was that <laughs> um, was that I. Um, uh, well, because so, anyways, to to start my point, because I forgot what I was just about to say, but yeah, so you we like we'll never really know what was said between these two franchises, but yeah. considering that there was a seventy three page document um, that was given from Michael Anlauer um, that was quote unquote negligent in nature. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that makes it sound like a lot of it was the Senators, like, actively trying to mislead the Vegas Golden Knights here. Um, and um, obviously, it's like, I, I have no idea. It's, it might just be pure conjecture. I still think, like, 
even like I get why the NHL do, did this, because uh, then it's like it breaches like a amount of trust between the league, the, the all the teams there, and it's like okay, what's the point of having no trade contracts and all that stuff if if this kind of stuff yeah. happens and all that stuff. So I totally get why the Senators are punished for this, um, yeah. but. I will say that I still think that it is a little bit harsh. Um, I, I guess I'm not necessarily sure what would be appropriate because uh, you do want to send a message in this way that this is not okay to have happen. Um, yep. But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, well, I, I guess according to that, covering up sexual assault is okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <we're> fine. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's just... Like, it, it makes me more angry that the Chicago Blackhawks were not punished at all about anything that they did for the Kyle Beach situation. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but there's another lawsuit coming with um, the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, another Black Aces came forward and said that he's going to sue the Blackhawks. So, um, so there's that. But uh, that, that will, once that gets, I'm, I'm sure that will get more more coverage pretty soon. And we'll, we'll cover that as it there's more there's more news from that standpoint but um yeah so it's uh you know i i think that's more of where i'm like um i'm confused at why this is going on even though it's like i totally understand why the senators are punished so um i'll give it to you since this is your team and or dealing with your team so um yeah what what are your uh, thoughts full, full disclosure i'm in a live newsroom saying right now so if any recording is heard in the background it's a live newsroom deal with it i guess anyways <laughs> um so i uh, i mean see if they if the nhl doesn't hand out a suspension here um then i feel i fear it could kind of just dare other teams to yes. try this shit yes. it's just gonna be like oh oh you want to make this deal but we know you're cap compliant right. so we're gonna make this even harder on yeah, you yeah, yeah to do your own shit so that way we can kind of mess up your playoff run because that's the thing vegas barely missed the playoffs mm -hmm. when they were trying to trade dadnov and and funny enough he actually was doing pretty well after the that's deadline right, I forgot about that. they still missed the playoffs by a couple of points they were trying to be cap compliant to maybe do something yep maybe they get in the back door and who knows they go on a run and maybe they win it all that year also now, i th i think that, well Okay, yeah, sorry, go on. I'll, I'll mention it after. <laughs> in, in their defense, uh, Vegas did win the cup last year. Yep. So I guess all is forgiven in that regard. However, I think it was very important for Vegas to still seek justice and retribution and clarification on this matter because they want the world to know that they didn't screw up and it was Ottawa who screwed up and gave them the wrong information. Because as we have talked about in previous episodes, Brett, Vegas has been known for their dealings uh, in very unceremonious ways. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury for a player neither of us have ever heard of. In fact, a name I can't even remember to this day. Um, there's also guys like Max Pacioretty who performed when they got here, but within a couple of years, for whatever reason, they didn't like him anymore, and they shipped him off elsewhere. There was also, uh, and shipped him off for next to nothing, I might add. There's uh, Eric Halla, who on his wedding weekend uh, tried to access the facility because the team asked him to report to the facility. And then he was locked out by security because they uh, disabled his password and uh, his, his passcode to enter the building. So security yeah. had to let him in where he found out, oh, yeah, you've been traded to, I think it was Carolina. Um, yeah. So Vegas's reputation had already taken several hits. And so this gets out, and if Vegas is at fault, then everyone around the league, the players around the league, everyone's just going to be like, man, I don't know if I want to play for this franchise because the way they do business is pretty shady at times. So Vegas, I think, was doing damage control during all of this, and they were hell-bent on making it known that it wasn't all their fault. And for the most part, it was the team they had previously dealt with, the Ottawa Senators. 
Um, the fact that Vegas in a tweet said, we're satisfied with the NHL's ruling, we're not commenting further. And with the NHL saying, we're not going to comment further, here's a report, the sends for for the first round draft pick, have yep. a nice day. Both sides are satisfied with how this played out, and they're not going to talk about it because they want it out of sight, out of mind, and they're moving on. Um, I do find it... Uh, I, I do find it to, to be pretty interesting that it took this long to come to a ruling. And that was one of the things that Michael Anlauer said at his press conference, which particularly annoyed him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the Sens broke the rules. He, in, in his admission, they broke the rules. He'll take the punishment. He didn't take the punishment uh, lightly. He says a first round yeah. pick is a hefty price to pay, but you know, if you do something that compromises the league's integrity, the art of the deal, um, that's bad news that you can't have becoming a trend. And it's repercussions for any teams that say, hey, if you're thinking of trying something, just remember what happened to the Ottawa Senators. Don't be them and be honest with your trades. Yeah. The fact that this was allowed to happen in the sense that Ottawa fumbled the bag with this no trade stuff either means that the guy can't remember what deals he signed or he's willingly forgetting key information that could be useful in yep. future NHL deals. And either way, it makes you look bad and you makes the team look bad. So um, yeah, it, it was obviously a, a tough blow to Ottawa, but do they deserve it based on the information we know? Yeah. As a Sens fan, yeah, they they deserve getting a first round pick taken away from them. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, you like I guess in some way you feel I feel bad for you for your team and your franchise, but um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's like okay, well they knew what they were doing, or you know, if the Sens were like, on the receiving end of this, yeah. I would be pissed and I would be yeah, calling for the exactly. NHL to act. Yeah, so like yeah. it. it you can't make exceptions here. Yeah. You got to treat every situation the same, especially with the Arizona Coyotes and yeah. the combine scandal. They got docked a first and a second round pick, not just a first. Yep. So the way I see it, uh, the Sens were fortunate that a first yeah. round pick was the only thing they had to forfeit. Um. So we now get into Ann Lauer's comments, and uh, Steve did touch on it a little bit, but um, it sounded like he was he was rightfully angry about this because. Uh, he says, well, first off, because this is coming off of the week beforehand with the whole Shane Pinto news. Um, but uh, some Howard goes, I'm looking forward to less phone calls from the NHL, um, which is mm -hmm. uh, kind of funny. And then, yeah, and then very he funny guy. I can't confirm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but then what was it was a little bit more serious. And it is kind of like I'm now on Ann Lauer's side here. Uh, so apparently before the deal was made, and I, I guess Ann Lauer has, did do his due diligence with it, and but uh, Ann Lauer did say that the NHL did not advise him of either investigation um, of the botched Dadanoff no trade clause or Pinto's sports betting incident before he closed on the purchase. This is according to Frank Saravelli um, of Daily Faceoff. Um, and it was in his presser as well. And he said, maybe they didn't want to disrupt to make sure the seller got the best price possible. Cause he was saying like, okay, if, if we um, like, you know, if they like the NHL just wanted to, to make as much money as they can. So they were trying to cover this up. Um, and, um, and that's how they were doing it. Um, so this, this is one of those things where I do like, if Ann Lauer does decide to do this, I don't think he will because then it's like he probably still wants to own the team. But he could theoretically sue the league over this because this would be grounds to um, for assuming because it's like you're kind of trying to like mislead <laughs> Ann Lauer into buying into your into your league um, in this in this way. Um because you're trying to get more money for something that you should be upright and tell them what they're doing. But of course, it's like, I don't know, maybe Ann Lauer should have been investigating it and, and did his, um, did it like the, you know, the research and the investigation into what the senators were doing uh, for both of these cases. And, um, and who knows, maybe that's why Ryan Reynolds group 
backed out. I mean, of course, I'm speculating here. I have no clue. Um, but it is kind of interesting that I wonder how, like, this could get even more messy if Ann Lauer does decide to go the lawsuit route. Um, I feel like there are skeletons in here that are meant to remain in the closet and never yep. uh, shown in the public light. Like, uh, to add to a conspiracy theory, here's a crazy one. Uh, the reason that all of this started was because Eugene Melnick told Pierre Dorian to get rid of this contract at all costs. And uh, so Dorian's like, okay. And then, um, and obviously, you know, Eugene Melnick uh, can't defend himself because he is no longer on this. Right. Earth. Well, I don't know. Yeah, um, I feel like, but that's know. that's just one thing I'm throwing out there. It's just like there's probably stuff that yep. we don't know that the NHL and others don't want us to find out about ever. Yeah, and and there, I I find it hard to believe that like the information that we got is the complete story. I'm sure there's other things that will remain behind closed doors. But, but yeah, continue. But yeah, I mean. I, I get what you're saying. I still think that there is a possibility that he sues. Yeah. Also, my other conspiracy is that uh, remember when Vegas uh, took uh, Mark Mathot uh, from the Sens? Yep. And the Sen, and they weren't even really going to like keep him. They were just going to trade him to Dallas and said, well, if you give us a second round pick, you can have Mark Mathot back to Ottawa. And Ottawa was like, no thanks. Oh, and maybe that, maybe that was kind of like. Uh, Ha, got you payback, uh, no punchbacks kind of thing from Ottawa. That's another conspiracy theory that I have and okay. that it might be personal. But again, that stuff we'll never know the answer to. And we can just speculate to heaven on earth. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, also, I believe like that night, uh, Dadanov, who now plays for the Dallas Stars, um, I yeah. think he scored a goal that night, which was kind of funny. <laughs> Um, or you got a, a point at the very least. Um, so I thought that was yeah. kind of funny. But, um, okay, uh, so we do have some questions here. Um, yeah, so what is, uh, we already answered that. Um, Dorian is out as the Suns GM, as we mentioned, after eight seasons. How would you rate mm -hmm. his tenure? Um, I mean, I, I think, yeah, he kind of screwed up the Duchesne trade and all that stuff and, you know, dealing with Eric Carlson. And, of course, he's always going to be known for the Mark Stone and um, Eric Carlson trade and all that stuff. However, um, as I alluded to at the beginning of this episode, he still does kind of get some credit for writing the ship. Um, also, I don't blame Eric Carlson's and Mark Stone's unhappiness due to Pierre Dorian. Um, I take that all a lot on uh, Melnick's relationship with uh yeah. those two players so the I, fans weren't yeah. writing those billboards for and, dorian yeah and quick. exactly and so dorian was kind of just in a weird situation because it's like melnick just didn't like eric carlson and mark stone was just like you know what i just want to get out of here uh so uh so that, that that's not on him but i i do think that he deserves a lot of credit um for what the hand that he was dealt because like yeah, it was a sh it was a bad situation, um, and very messy. But like he did manage to get draft Brady Kachuk, uh, which was kind of controversial at the time, um, and it's looking like a genius move now because like yeah, I was every, one of those yep. critics. By the way, I'm putting yep. it out there. I a lot thought of us were. Ottawa yep. should have drafted Philip Sedina instead of yep, him. exactly. And like you know, even if he had drafted, I think did, Quinn Hughes went after Brady, right? Um, so. yeah, I, th I think he went a bit later. Yeah, he yeah. also took Jake Sanderson over Jamie yeah. Drysdale, which is one, yep. a move that my next door neighbor personally hated. Ah, interesting. And so, yeah, I was going to say the Tim Stutzla one, he deserves credit on. I mean, I know, like that was kind of like, you know, no one really had seen him in Germany, um, that year. And that was kind of a, like a little bit of a shock, but I guess he was kind mm -hmm. of considered the third best, um, in that, uh, draft. So you know, I guess that is good, but like, you know, Sanderson as well, that's working out well right now. Also, I do want to mention the fact that he traded for Chikrin. Uh, that was pretty ballsy, especially at that point in time, the Senators mm -hmm. were out of the playoffs and it looked like they had a little bit of a chance of making it. So it was pretty ballsy of him to like even trade his first round pick in like a loaded 2022 draft uh, to get Chikrin and that's working out for him right now. 
Debrinket was also a, a kind of a ballsy one in yep. terms of hindsight, but True. it's a move that I think most Sens fans loved at the time. Yep. And also uh, Ridley Grieg um, is now doing pretty good in a secondary role. Uh, there was one mm-hmm. point I was looking at the rookie scoring for my own fantasy purposes because I have Leo Carlson yep. and Matt Patra in uh in one of my leagues so i just wanted to see how they were doing in uh rookie scoring and i noticed like really greg um was leading the league in for rookie scoring at that point in time i don't i i I would assume that that's changed now but um but i thought that was interesting or impressive there um also matthew joseph um has worked out well so far Uh, vlad tarasenko has had a hot start um you could get him on the kuba leak deal right now maybe um although it's like he was kind of forced his hand with uh Dibrinkat just wanting out um yeah. but you know it, you know you could do worse I guess um and Corpus Allo, although he has been better as of late but it, it was looking like a Jack Campbell situation pretty soon so uh so those are things that you could get on Dorian but overall it's like Okay, he, you know, he can't like for what he was given because he had to deal with Melnick for the early part of his um, career, but he kind of has turned it around where it's like, yeah, maybe the Senators might not make the playoffs this year, but like they're in a good direction here. So I think he is a good GM, but yeah, obviously, it's like if all this stuff is true, then it's like, all right, yeah, I understand why he was fired. Yeah, and if people forget how long he's been with this team, uh, from 2007 to 2009, he was their director of amateur scouting. Um, He continued uh, his time with the Sens as the director of player personnel from August of 2009 to January of 2014. Then he became the assistant general manager in January of 2014. That lasted until April 2016 when he was promoted to GM after after Mr. Brian Murray vacated the title. And then uh, he's held that title for seven years, six months, and 21 days up until this point. And um, a lot of him, a lot of Sens fans considered him as uh, Eugene's puppet, a yes man, a guy that said, we're a team after um, a radio silent pause when everything was going downhill and everyone's like, this dude is way in over his head. He's not going to last any longer as GM. Someone just stop it and he stuck around he was able to get decent returns that turned into even good returns like the sharks trade we mocked it for you know the players that were brought in like rudolph spolsters and chris tierney and dylan Demello, who are good nhl players but not players you would normally expect back in an eric carlson trade but those futures of josh norris and tim stutzla have laid the foundation for the team you see today you mentioned the brady kachuk thing you mentioned jake sanderson uh, over jamie drysdale uh just the willingness uh, to you know go with his gut in terms of scouting and make those picks and Tyler Clevin trading up to get him. Yep. Uh, I thought it was a huge risk at the time for him to trade a couple of uh, picks to the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're also very good at drafting and developing. Uh, but Tyler Clevin, the hype around him for the time being, uh, at least for the moment, has made it justifiable to trade up and make that pick. And um, th- there have been times, you know, where Pierre Dorian has driven me crazy. I think long-term the deal that everyone is going to be driven crazy over for one of his doing is the Mika's advantage ad trade. Oh, yep. And I got one good year out of big game brass. That 2017 run, he played a huge role in it. Um, And then after that, it was clearly one-sided. You probably wanted Mika's advantage ad. But again, I'm of the belief that uh, Mika Zibanejad was going to have to get paid by the Sens, and then that would be another, well, does Eugene have the money or does Eugene want to keep him? And then maybe Pierre Dorian has to make another trade that uh, the fan base eats him over. Um, So, and, and on top of that, he's also living in Ottawa. Like, he's born in Ottawa. He lives in Orleans. So, like, he's even more in tune with the team and maybe not necessarily by choice, um, but this this guy is probably going to like the supermarkets or whatever, and fans are probably grilling him over yep. this and that and the other thing. 
it's it's not an easy position for him to be in and given the deck that he was dealt over the course of his career as gm i think he did a lot of good and i do think he did the best that he could but again given the information in front of us i do not blame michael anlauer for a second to make this move because i really don't i really don't think it would have been wise to go back to him after a scandal like that i think you need a fresh start that being said would he have kept his job if not for this scandal i'm not so sure uh because him and dj smith have entered this season in the same position where if they start to struggle out of the gate and Michael Anlauer is eager to make changes and bring in his guys, uh, the writing is on the wall for both of them. Mm. So I really don't know, even, even if this thing isn't a thing, I don't know if Pierre Dorian is the GM for any longer than a year if uh, the Sens were to, say, go on a losing skid that they have now they won three of their first four they've dropped five of their past six the fans were booing the team off the ice and it was a capacity crowd too so there were a lot of boos raining down on the team um which we can talk about in passing later but brady kachuk wasn't happy about that um things are not looking good in ottawa and the more losses they take the more that uh, temperature on the hot seat uh, bubbles for for dj smith it would have been the same for dorian if he was still here right now yeah, that I'm not sure because I feel like a lot of, like, yeah, if you forget about this whole situation, um, I feel like a lot of their their future for both DJ Smith and Dorian were reliant on how the Sens do this year. Um, and if, like, the Sens make the playoffs, then they probably keep their job. And if they don't make the playoffs or, or like, back to being a cellar dweller, um, then they're probably fired in the middle of the season. So, um, so I, I feel like that that's more of the case there, where like this was their final shot of, like you know, if if this is a good team, this is you know they're gonna make the playoffs and all that stuff. Um, the, yeah, and it's it is funny that he, I know he said we're a team, but there are definitely moments, and I feel like that's gonna be his legacy now. I assume he might will he'll eventually come back into the NHL eventually, but. Um, I wonder if the NHL is actually going to vet him before they do yeah. that, because I think they would probably have to vet John Chica yeah. and yeah, the Hawks and all that. They would probably have to vet. They vetted Mike Babcock. Yeah, I'm pretty true. sure as well. After Although this, they didn't do you a know, good job with Babcock, but yes, I, uh, yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you have the time to fill out the 73 page report saying the Sens were negligent, fair, yeah. uh, you better make sure you give Pierre Dorian a betting before yeah. you just say, hey um yeah sure you can come back in no we don't have to meet with you you're good and then everyone else going like yeah. oh what was that whole point about the 73 page report then i how negligent were or weren't they yeah that's true so uh, that that's another thing but i do think with his scouting his expertise yep. uh, his experience as a gm he'll find work in the nhl uh at some point in the yeah. future real quick before we move on oh no well oh, i had thing, a couple points but okay there was one thing that annoyed me a lot about Dorian. It was his struggles to find a uh, good goaltending that lasted for more than a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Craig Anderson. We're not even talking about that because like, that's a slam dunk. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, like how would you doubt Craig Anderson? But remember uh, he gave Mike Condon a three-year contract oh, yeah. after that one good season. And uh, then he lets a goal in from center ice against Arizona, I think it was. And then shortly after that, the Uber video happened. Mm. Yeah, we didn't hear much from Mike Condon after that remarkable 2017 campaign. He also signed Matt Murray to that four-year deal, which he was forced to trade along with assets halfway through it. And to the point where uh, Matt Murray isn't even usable on the lease right now due to injuries and whatnot. Um, He just struggled to find... um, good capable goaltending in a sense crease and if there's one pet peeve i have with dorian it's that okay well i I was gonna say that like i like his legacy i'm just as i mentioned and as you're alluding to that uh yeah he'll probably have to get some betting and it'll take some time but um i i assume that he'll he'll probably eventually get another job and and land on his feet yeah but um i will always remember him for that statement about we're a team because i i still think that's really really funny and it's it's kind of that was like during a preseason game as yeah, well <laughs> i know i know but it's also just so funny because it's like 
yeah, you are a team. And it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, we're a team. <laughs> All that stuff. You can um, put in the freaking uh, dial-up internet sound yeah. effect, like, right before he answers that, because it was like a very distinct yeah. pause before he said it. It's so, just like, how am I going to answer this question? I yeah. And that was at <laughs> the, you. I think I was shortly after they traded Carlson, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, the other thing that we hadn't mentioned, I do want to, I don't know, if, well, first off, the, Bo Byram stuff where you guys, I mean, I guess that's the whole, whole like Colorado avalanche somehow landing Bo Byram because of the Matt Duchesne debacle. Um, so there's that, but like, of course, like you, I wouldn't want Colorado to get Brady Kachuk. So it, it kind of works out, but um, yeah, but that, that was the whole Dorian rule, right? right? It's just yeah. like, eh, we're, we're going to make sure we have the option of keeping our yeah. first, though, in That's case true. we start sucking. And also, like, Brady played in his rookie year as soon as he was drafted, which was also pretty risky, too. Yeah, when Mark Stone yeah. left, uh, Brady Kachuk was probably Ottawa's most important player, and yeah. he was racking up the points, too. Yeah. People forget pretty that. Good. That's true. Um, and then um, the other thing that I don't know if you remember this, but I was looking at the, his trades um, and all that stuff. Uh, but in tw the 2018 draft, the Ottawa Senators traded down. And of course, you, you never really know how all these things. It's like a butterfly. effect. I know what trade you're yeah. about to bring up. But the Ottawa Senators had the Bruins natural pick in 2018, a first round pick. They treat or no, sorry. They had, I guess they had Pittsburgh's. Um, this is according to. Um, yeah, Daniel. they they, they yeah. got that from the Derek Broussard deal. Oh, I'm okay. pretty sure because yeah, yeah. they traded him to but, Pittsburgh. But anyways, and they also got Philip Gustus in there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the the Rangers got the Bruins' first round pick and the Jersey Devils' second round pick. But anyways, that 2018 pick that the Senators traded down to, oh, which would be um, four spots. Um, and they got an extra pick. So usually, like, you know, the reason why teams do that is that you get just extra picks so that you, if you have, like, a couple of players that you're very high on that you can kind of just, you know, like, okay, we'll we'll trade down and we'll get another pick as well because it's, like, usually it tends to work out. However, not this time because the Rangers drafted K. Andre Miller and yep. the Senators ended up drafting Jacob Bernard Docker and Jonathan Tai. Connick, who ended up playing yeah. for North Dakota for a couple of years as teammates. But, um, and J Bernard Darker does, I think he has some NHL experience. I don't think Ty he's Connick still in has, their system, to be fair. Yep. Yeah. But, um, he's never going to be as good as K. Andre Miller. And yeah. so, uh, th there's that as well, which is kind of an underrated move. But of course, it's like hindsight bias and all that stuff because, like, who knows if K. Andre Miller would be who he is right now without, uh, that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just glad yeah. that I have Keandre Miller on my fantasy team so I can <laughs> right. profit in some at least, way. At least, yeah. And even at the time, I think, like, if I remember correctly, I think uh, a lot of people were like, wait a second, Keandre Miller is like, you should draft him. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? <laughs> um, but, um, and no one had, like, I, no one had even heard of Bernard Docker at that point, too. So it was just like, it was a weird move even at that time. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, it, it like like Kyle Dubas was obsessed with uh, guys who played on the Chicago Steel. Uh, yeah. Pierre Dorian loved University of uh, uh, North Dakota guys. Like, yeah. He was super big on him. Jake Sanderson, Jacob Bernard Docker, yeah. uh, Tyler Clevin, go down the list. Yep, yep. Shane Pinto, another one. Yeah, that's true. Um, we taught. Um, so I'm just going down all these list of questions here. Um, the, the one, the only one that you, you kind of gave me a lot of these questions to ask, but, um, the only one that really stood out that I, I wanted to get to was, uh, we talked about the Oilers struggles last week, of course, um, you say as a non-biased fan, so I think you're just <laughs> directing it at me, uh, but which team has it worse? Um, I, yeah, I, I still think that, uh, there's, there's a decent chance that McDavid isn't a hundred percent now. But and he's playing because like you know he kind of has to, um, but there I, I I mean I still think that the senator the sorry the Oilers, um, are in a better situation just purely because they have McDavid and Drysaddle because they're always going to turn it up. It's really just the goaltending that they have to worry about, um, and also like the Oilers are in a 
uh, easier division than the uh, the Senators are. So it's like it, it's easier to make the playoffs if you're in the Pacific um, versus the Ottawa Senators in the Atlantic. So um, so I, I, I think the Senators do have it worse. But I would say that even before this whole situation. Interesting, interesting. Well, I that's why I asked as a non-biased fan. Um, I I think the Sens have it slightly better, okay. and I don't just say that as a Sens fan. I say that as an NHL fan because of the reasons I mentioned last week, where the Edmonton Oilers are in cap hell. They're going to have to pay McDavid and Drysdale again, probably more than they're paying them right now. Uh, I like Ottawa's defense a lot more compared to Edmonton and the term and the dollars are more friendlier in both aspects. Um, There's also, you know, a decent amount of prospects that Ottawa has in their system. I think their prospect group is a bit stronger. And in particular, while Forsberg and Corpus Dallo have been hot and cold to start the year, um, they're, I would say, still better than than Edmonton. They're just getting too many grade A's against them. Um, and also, Ottawa has Matt Sogard, a goaltending prospect uh, in their system. Who the Oilers have? I can't yeah. even name them. Uh, so but... for now, I would say long-term, uh, the Sens have a slightly better oh, outlook uh, than true. the Oilers because of... Um, you know, the futures of McDavid and Drysdale and the fact that they're going to have to commit more money and more dollars to keep the game together. It's a good thing this is a non-biased answer here. Um, (laughs) I, 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 I'm just looking at what I see on Cap Friendly, okay? There's no bias here. Like, like if I were saying that, like, I don't know, like this is, this is like, might be like an insane, one of the most insane takes that I think you've ever had, really. Because it's like, yes, I know the the Oilers are struggling and all that stuff. Um, and you know, the senators are better than I thought they would be, to be honest, uh, right now, but like the fact that the, the Oilers, like all the Oilers just need to have happen is average goaltending and Connor McDavid to be a hundred percent healthy. That's it. The senators, they need to be, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the, the Bruins apparently are very hot again. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are good now. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning can turn it on. Uh, Florida Panthers are pretty good. They can, they're sneaky dangerous. Montreal's got them better. Uh, there's Buffalo as well. Um, like I can, you know, it's like, yeah, Ottawa is pretty good, but it's a tough division. The Edmonton Oilers, they have the San Jose Sharks in their division. So (laughs) that's like, I don't even need to mention any other team in this division. Like just, just the mere fact that they had the San Jose Sharks, the worst team in the league, which we'll probably talk about next week. But, like, the fact that, like, any team in the Atlantic division is, could, like, maybe uh, maybe the exception of Montreal could make the playoffs. The, like, there's no chance that San Jose is going to make the playoffs. Um, and you could probably say that about a couple of other – or the Calgary Flames, they're struggling – and yeah, I know the Edmonton yeah. Oilers are struggling, but and Vegas is good in their own credit, and Anaheim looks like they might have turned a corner recently. The Kings have the best forward group. Kings are, I think, the Kings are pretty good too in the league. But like Seattle, but Seattle struggling. I Vancouver yeah. apparently is pretty good now, which I kind of yeah, a they, little bit. they look good. They yeah. look good uh, against so, Dallas. So there's that, but it's like if you just look at their division, I'm like, oh, like. Yeah, yeah, there's, you it, know, it, it's, it, it's like it's no harder it's, uh, for Ottawa to do anything yeah. when they're in that division. A hundred percent. I'm more so talking about the Long talent term. and how it's spread out. Ottawa is better than Edmonton, slightly better in that regard. What happens in terms of the head to heads and if they're capable of winning games and yeah. going on a run? That's up in the air. They they need to put their best foot forward and whatever they can control, they control. What they can't, they can't. But I'm just talking about from a town perspective and how yeah, things are structured. I, I like Ottawa over Edmonton a little bit more. Even still, I I don't I I, I, I still think I would rather have Edmonton even with your point. It's like I don't know. Um, if one of McDavid or Drysaddle left, would that change your answer? Well, that's not going to happen, so I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> As a non-biased fan, but wait, wait, no do comment. you mean do you mean like 
like injury no i mean they leave the team they're gone but why would they leave they're not getting uh, traded to win <laughs> but they're not getting traded unless they want to but no, that's I mean, not gonna like, happen if they walk in free agency and they go to the highest bidder but that's in like four years five years or six years <laughs> try settles a ufa after next season okay. and mcdavid is a year after him yeah but that's like you know because i guess i'm just thinking that the oilers this it's just been a month that yeah. the oilers are struggling yeah, fair enough and yeah. it's and, yeah and so what you're tr- you're saying is, is that you've seen enough you think they should burn it to the ground and McDavid should get out. Drysaddle should get out just because they're, saying, <laughs> they're, they had a terrible October. Okay. All right. I'm just saying, would it change your opinion of the Edmonton Oilers yeah. and how good they are if one of them woke up the next day and said, I'm on a new team now? Yes, I would. However, it would depend on a couple things. And also, you're, that's not what the question was originally asked. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. but, but. Yeah, we're, we're, we're also not talking about the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. I got sidetracked I mean, again. Yeah, but, but, but it would depend on, to answer your question now, it would depend on, like, what you could get for, like, lead on Tricycle. Because then, all of a sudden, you get yeah. $8.5 million on on your cap, and they don't have any more mm-hmm. cap issues. So, it's like, okay. And I would assume it would be, like, a mega deal um, that they got out of it. So, it would be like, oh, okay, so they, they, they did something. So it would depend on the trade, obviously, as, as well. But yeah. I, I can't really answer this because it's, like, too much of a hypothetical here. Um, all right, so now we, on that note, uh, we now go into the rapid fire. We have a couple of items here, so, so that's pretty mm-hmm. exciting here. Um, so we're going to start off with Jack Hughes. Um, it turns out that there was, uh, according to Amanda Stein, I think she's a beat writer for the Devils, but this is according yeah. to Lindy Ruff, uh, Jack Hughes is out week to week. Um, he crashed into the boards um, during a play. It wasn't like malicious or anything of that. It was just like an unfortunate hockey play. But um, but yeah, this is going to suck because also Nico Heischer is also injured too. So um it, it seems like because like I, I remember i mentioned in this previews is that like the devils last year were pretty lucky with all their injury stuff and that was a big reason why they were not as good uh two years ago was because of all the injuries to their key guy so um now it looks like oh okay hughes is out Heischer's out um but you know jesper bratt looks pretty good uh so far so so maybe there is some chance they are a better team now but um, obviously this does still suck because Jack Hughes was doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, f- pretty well. He was yeah, the league's best player in terms of yeah. offense. He was uh, on pace take, for 200 uh, points too. Yeah, it's crazy. Taking a look at uh, the silver linings um, because we can't always be negative. Uh, Dawson Mercer, who has gotten off to a slow start, is on the first line yeah. uh, centering Tyler Toffoli and Timo Meyer. Uh, Mike McLeod is centering Andre Pallott and Jesper Bratt on the second line. Speaking of players off to hot starts, Jesper Bratt's looking pretty yep. good. Could be a good time for him to step up too. Then you have Eric Hall on the third line centering Alexander Holtz and Curtis Lazar. And then uh, Chris Tierney on the fourth line, didn't realize he was on the team, centering Maxwell Willman, never heard of him, and Nate Bastion. Wow. That's crazy. So that's what the team looks like without uh, Hughes and Heischer in the lineup currently. Yep, yep. Um, it looks like Nick Backstrom is, uh, is taking, uh, he said, he calls it like an, a break from hockey. Um, it looks like he did play a couple of games, uh, this season, but it looks like he, um, it just was, has been too much for him. So he's, he's taking a, a break or, uh, an extended leave, I guess is what they call it. Um, and yeah, it's unfortunate. It kind of reminds me back to when, uh, Jonathan or what's been going on with Jonathan Taze the last couple of years, um, mm-hmm. where he, he, he got injured and then he just couldn't play anymore to the level that we expect of him, um, or of either of them. So, which is interesting too, because they were the same draft year famously. Um, but, um, but yeah, if this is actually it for Backstrom, I mean, he had a hell of a career. Um, he was always, he's always been that like playmaking center and, um, any team can kind of like, you know, a lot of players, I feel like model their game after that type of player who just like sees like, like things before they happen. 
Um, and that's a skill that you need to have if you can't score goals. I mean, obviously you have the, one of the greatest goal scorers on your team, so you don't even need to do that. But, uh, but Nick Backstrom was, is still like, he's underrated in the fact that he always found someone uh, to shoot the puck um, or always found a teammate um, in any area. And he was pretty decent on the face-off circle as well. So, um, so if this is actually it for him, I, I feel sad, but um, but yeah, at least he has the cup in his hand. I assume he'll eventually make the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'll be a first ballot, but um, I assume he'll he'll make it. He'll definitely get his number retired by the Capitals, hundred percent. Yep. I mean, yeah. Name name a name a better thing you'd like to see in Capitals hockey than Backstrom setting up Ovechkin from his office and just yep. one timing it in the net. Like that's 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 timeless NHL work of art. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also that injury he was battling last year that he returned far sooner than people expected. In fact, I think it was a shocker that he even played hockey last year. I'm I'm curious if. Uh, recovering from injuries or just taking a break from hockey. I wonder how much of those previous yeah. injuries are, are kind of nagging at Adam right now. So, um, but yeah, as, as a player, you, you want to be the one to call your shot and go out your way. Mm-hmm. Um, hopeful, hopefully he's able to go out on his own terms and not have injuries sideline him and yep. force him to make that, that call. Um, I, I don't know if you heard also on a side note, but uh, there's a Quebec major junior league player that was forced to retire at the age of 19 due to concussions. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, just uh, just a word to the wise. You know, if you get hurt playing hockey and you think it's serious, don't shake it off. Yep. Don't play injured. Like, get it checked out because yeah. you, you never know how serious it could be. Um, on that note, because uh, this is a follow-up to last week, uh, TJ Oshie decided to wear a neck guard uh the other day because he said that yeah. he wants his, he wants to see his kids live his life so he he was just making that prevention yeah. even on the no, slight chance um, uh so, since some sense players have practiced with yep. those neck guards uh, the jets have gone on board with yep. it i'm curious how long until uh the nhl uh makes them mandatory because yeah, I, I feel it's like coming. if a crowd of players are really gonna harp on that and like yep. you know uh, take the initiative to get these neck guards like why yeah. wouldn't you mandate it it's probably coming yeah um yeah. the uh other things um adam fox is placed on ltir um so mm-hmm. so now speaking of k andre miller so now <laughs> i'm sure he'll get some extra opportunities now so will um, jacob truba who's also truba. on my fantasy team let's okay. go <laughs> so there, there's that as well um so so yeah, that that there's um yeah of course this kind of sucks for the Rangers and you kind of have to see yeah. who um who's gonna step up in New York but um but yeah of course this is pretty bad because he's he's a, yeah a speaking we we talked we just talked about Nick Backstrom being um, underrated but Adam Fox is pretty underrated in his own right which is impressive because yeah. he plays in New York so it's the uh, offense looks yeah. a lot more different when he's on the ice yeah. in a good way so that that'll definitely alter maybe the Rangers plan of attack to, to some degree true, true. Uh, which is unfortunate because they've been they've been looking pretty good all in the early goings yeah uh, although they did blow a three nothing lead against uh, Minnesota this weekend yeah. uh, after going up early in the first so my uh, my dad's a cat casual Rangers fan so he, every now and then he would be like what what's going on apparently there was something going on with his app because like I got I have this gold tracker on my phone um and I was like oh y- your your team lost in uh, a shootout and my dad's like wait I'm so confused what's going on because I guess he was looking at a different app but in any case um the Sharks they um they're not having a good week um they they no. lost uh uh, to uh, Pittsburgh last night, ten to two. They also lost to um, why am I blanking on the other team? Um, Vancouver, Vancouver, uh, ten to one, um, in two straight. It's kind of incredible. Uh, what what is kind of funny though is that even still, with all that being said, the Edmonton Oilers goalies still have a worse save percentage than the Sharks goalies this year. Um, so that, that says more about how bad the Oilers are and their goaltending than the Sharks. But, uh, yeah, I have – I mean, I kind of knew that the Sharks would be bad because that's what happens when you trade Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson and you don't – you know, you're just basically tanking um, without actually tanking. But it's just um, – I didn't think that they would be this bad. 
Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that like two straight times where they get outscored ten um, by by ten goals. Their goal differential, I think, was negative twenty six before these two games. Yeah. Then it shot the negative uh 35 because they got a goal in garbage time to not get shut out and uh and now they're just averaging over a goal per game on the season if you average just over two per game people call that a slow offense this is borderline historically bad territory um which is which is uh sorry about the vacuum noise in the background again live news but i again just just to just to look at uh, their their goal differential, just in terms of league wide, of course they're probably uh, last with twelve. Yeah, so uh, the next worst is the Washington Capitals, who have Alex Ovechkin on their team. The Capitals have scored twenty one goals, so that's still nine more than the Sharks. Yeah, it's crazy. And they played one fewer game, and I'm pretty sure also beat San Jose recently. Yeah. The other thing is. What shocks me is that the Sharks have only been shut out twice this season, uh, but uh, their maximum amount of goals in a game uh, was against Carolina, where they scored three times. And since then, their last multi-goal game was uh, um, over the weekend against Pittsburgh, where they lost 10-2. to And then on top of that, uh, I should also mention they still haven't won a game. They're on an 11-game losing slide mm. as we're speaking right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going so hot for the San Jose Sharks, but I think it's like yeah. they're they're playing a different game where they're they're yeah. trying to lose, so it's uh it's a little yeah. bit different. They they need yeah. the young player more than they need yeah pride and dignity. I also <laughs> as long as things get better later, it'll be worth it. I also because I saw that they they called uh, or they moved uh, Bordalo back to the the AHL affiliate. I wonder if they do the same for William Eklund because I can't imagine that this will help their confidence yeah. right now. No, so, it, it just put him in a situation yeah. where they can thrive, even if it makes the team worse. Yeah, I thought I thought Eklund was going to be like pretty decent, even though I knew the team was going to be bad. Like it could have been like Zegras's rookie year or something like that. But yeah, it turns out that this is this is even worse than the Ducks, and maybe David Quinn is like. Uh, the da- like might be even worse than uh, Dallas Eakins. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll I th- I don't think the Sharks are going to make a coaching change, especially yeah, you know not, if yeah. the immediate uh, yeah. future is to suck yeah. and suck a lot. Um, but next after this season, uh, it wouldn't shock me heading into next year if he gets the Eakins treatment and he's yeah, out the door. Exactly because uh, what whatever his system is, it's not working. Yep. Um, and then lastly, I know that we're not. Um, we, we always say that we're not going to talk about the Bruins and the Senators, but we're going to talk about the Bruins and the Senators. Uh, and also the Leafs. Wow. Yeah. We did. Well, we didn't talk about the Leafs. The, oh yeah. Yeah. We are about to talk about the Leafs. That's true. Yeah. But, um, I do want to mention, well, well, first off, uh, Charlie McAvoy suspended four games, uh, for his hit to the head of OEL. Um, and yeah, this was like, like as a non-objective fan here. Um, this was a good call. Um, I don't know what Charlie McAvoy was thinking here. And this is pretty, like, it's. I think the more shocking thing was is that this was pretty consistent with what happened to Rasmus Anderson a few, uh, a week ago. Um, so I'm just more shocked that the NHL is consistent with this thing. Yeah, I mean, yay, consistency. Yeah. I hope that lasts the entire year. I'm not holding my breath on that front. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the, which is why Steve was saying us, oh, we're talking about the Leafs as well. Um, so the Leafs and the Bruins played, um, on Thursday. I actually had missed this game. I was, uh, doing, I was at an event, but, um, apparently what happened was Marshawn trips, uh, Timothy Lilligrand and he goes to the boards. He gets stretchered out or not stretchered out, but he's injured and, um, people. Yeah. He's expected to miss significant time as yeah, well. True. Uh, but, um, and I can, I can see why, like, it was kind of a dirty play of Marshawn, although it, it, you can make a case that it was a hockey play. I don't know for sure. But in any case, um, there was a little bit of a spat where Ryan Reeves was on the bench and you could see him trash talking Marshawn. And then there was also a clip where you could see Bertuzzi laughing at Brad Marshawn as well. Um, 
And um, of course, the Toronto media is going to make this into a bigger thing than it already is. Um, where and you wonder why people don't want to play in Toronto, exactly. huh? Yeah. So what's interesting here is that so Bertuzzi says is like I don't want to comment on this because it's like a you know he just doesn't want to drag it on, which is fair because it's Toronto media and whatnot. Uh, but then Ryan Reeves says something even worse. Where I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says like that. Brad Marchand is lucky that I wasn't on the ice um, because he would beat him up or something like that. And he's basically just saying that he, like, Ryan Reeves is lucky that he sucks, that Marchand is, or sorry, <laughs> Ryan Reeves is saying basically that Marchand is lucky that he sucks at hockey. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, the, the whole reason why you're not on the ice is because you're bad at hockey. Um, so it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame I suck, or else yeah. I kick your ass. It's like you know. It's like one of the. There's a famous like Seinfeld clip of like you know that like George is like f comes up with the perfect comeback at the end of when like he didn't actually like it was like in a situation or something, and mm -hmm. um and he uh it's the whole thing. But it just reminded me of that. It's like yeah, but you didn't actually do that. Um, the other thing is, it's like, yeah, it's, this is probably not a big deal, but, um, and the Toronto media is making a bigger thing out of it than it should be. Um, it is kind of funny though, that Bertuzzi ends up like laughing at what Marchand is saying. Cause you could kind of take that both ways where it's like, oh, cause he was on the Bruins like last year. Maybe he's like agrees with Marchand or whatever. Um, or you could also take it that he's kind of like calling Marshawn an idiot just by laughing at whatever Marshawn's doing. But there is something that is strange because it is telling that they go out and get Ryan Reeves. They go out and get T Tyler Bertuzzi just so that they have some retaliation for something like this to happen. And what ends up happening is the Leafs, the, Ryan Reeves and Bertuzzi just chirp them on the ice. Oh, okay. We're, we're done here. But like, like what's, what's the whole point of getting Ryan Reeves on your team if you're not going to retaliate like that? Because, like, what's, it's like, now I'm just thinking that the Leafs are soft because they didn't retaliate at all. And if I were Timothy Lilligram, I'm just going to end on this note, I would request a trade right now because no one was defending the guy. Um, although I, I do credit Mitch Marner because it, it did seem like he was helping him off the ice. Um, I think Matthews was as well. So I do give those guys some credit, but the rest of the team, like they should be ashamed. Yeah. Not, not enough battle, not enough. And fight. I'm a Bruins like, fan. Even to win, <laughs> even to win puck battles, you look yeah. at Steve Dangle's uh, latest video on his Leafs fame reaction yeah. channel. Yeah. And he was just carving through the Leafs in terms of their puck management against Buffalo, especially after that game where they somehow had no response from Marshawn. And it was just absolutely pathetic stuff, even though yep. the game was relatively close. Buffalo won the underlying battle in pretty convincing fashion. And uh, as a Sens fan uh, who uh, gets to watch the Leafs and the Sens go at it uh, Wednesday, uh, Leafs, uh, please don't learn your lesson anytime <laughs> soon because Sens need win more than you do. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Um, although, yeah, that, that's maybe Ryan Reeves is going to misdirect some anger out on, on you guys. I, I I, I'd rather he do it on Tampa on Monday so he doesn't have to do that talk. Well, the thing is, it kind of does remind me of um, when Lucic uh ran into ryan miller quote unquote ran, yeah and the sabers did nothing um that's it's like, true i yeah. remember that so it's like and and that's that's more of a tell like obviously as a bruins fan you you love to see that your your opponents are so afraid of you that they don't even bother doing anything but like as a hockey fan i'm just like that's like that shows like that's just hockey basically you retaliate even if you like even if you're you're just distraught over something it's like you have to fight back in in some way um so mm -hmm. that that part's just a little bit more like what's what's going on like and especially when you get ryan reeves because that's his only purpose on on the hockey ice that's all that's the whole reason why he's even on the leafs is because all, all I can say is like old school guys like yeah. Don Cherry who would just be like craving for yeah. a fight in that sequence would yeah. be losing their collective minds right. just watching the aftermath. And it's like, yeah, and like obviously I'm happy about this because it's like Brad Marchand, like you know, Ryan Reeves is a bad skater, so you kind of want Ryan Reeves on the ice just so that Marshawn can do like loop de loops around Ryan Reeves. But 
at the same time, it's like, um, it's just, it's just, I, I think that's more of a sign of the times, basically. It's just like, I, I don't understand why the Leafs did that. Um, it's, it's it, it makes no sense. Like, he's playing the mind games yeah. too, because he's skating over to the Leafs yeah. bench after all of this and, is tr- and talking it's trash like, too. That's yeah. the last place you should be, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's talking trash and he's the captain of the team too it's just like <laughs> it's just like, so he, he is one of one so we will never see another brad Marchand. so so if anyone has thought that uh brad Marchand would change his ways after becoming a captain that is not true <laughs> he is yeah he's it, still it's brad just the, and it's these odd spurts too he'll just go back to being a normal okay he's putting up points yeah. brad Marchand. but there's there's that once in like an 18 month stretch where like it's a full moon yeah. or whatever and he just does one thing and everyone wants it. their mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, in any case, that's about it for us here. You can uh, yeah. follow us unless, Oh, I also, I do want to shout out Connor Zary. He got his first goal this week. Yep. So shout out him. Um, Oh, and Mason Larai had, a had an assist in his first game as well. Grizzly is out as I alluded to last week. Um, and Patra, um, which is now how you pronounce it. Um, he uh, he's officially um, in the Bruins system, or he's he, he's past the nine game threshold, and so he is now on the team. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, that's about it. Uh, you can follow us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, so you can get updates on episodes. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Alsworth. We'll talk again in episode 387 of the Lace Up Podcast.